If you've ever worked in healthcare, you know that healing goes beyond medical treatment. Spiritual well-being is a vital part of a patient's recovery, and in healthcare, we have a role in fostering that healing. How do healthcare professionals cultivate an environment of faith and healing for their patients? With access to compassionate clergy, support throughout the healing journey, and the respect and understanding of the patient's caretakers. I'm Rachel Lott. And I'm J.J. Hodshire. And this is Rural Health Rising. Welcome to Rural Health Rising. I'm J.J. Hodshire, President and Chief Executive Officer of Hillsdale Hospital. And I'm Rachel Lott, Chief Communications Officer. Rachel, our guest today is someone very special to me, a good friend, a neighbor uh, to Hillsdale Hospital, uh, and a great spiritual leader here right at Hillsdale Hospital. Uh, He's an expert in faith and healing and has years of experience working in a healthcare setting. That's right. We are talking with someone who spends uh, quite a bit of time at Hillsdale Hospital helping patients heal by offering spiritual support and also supporting the overall uh, chaplain program and supporting the additional uh, clergy who support our patients. And doing so a great job. Our guest today is Reverend Lucas Miller, Hillsdale Hospital chaplain and also a pastor of a local church here in Hillsdale County, which we'll talk about in a minute. So I want to welcome you to Rural Health Rising Pastor Lucas Miller. It is wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. And for our listeners, if you remember back, uh, I want to say it was probably 2021 or 2022, we did an episode with Pastor Miller on faith and vaccination and some conversation around that. So uh, after this episode, if you want to hear more from Pastor Miller, you can go find that one. We'll put a link in the show notes. So to start, Pastor Miller, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and your work here at the hospital as chaplain and director of pastoral care. I'm originally from northern Michigan, little town of Roger City, Michigan, and I made my way to Hillsdale uh, to go to college here. I'm a Hillsdale College graduate. In fact, met my wife here as well. Nice. And I got to spend a whole week here at the hospital my junior year when I had a spontaneous pneumothorax. Oh, boy. Oh, no. Dr. McCurry had to go in and... Wow. Make sure my lung was acting as it should, and and that so that's how I spent my spring break, my oh, junior fun. year. Oh fun. my goodness! My goodness! That Probably sounds not great. what you planned. Yeah. Uh, no, I was planning a trip to Europe with my friends. Oh, no. been, oh my word! But that didn't happen. Oh well. Yeah. Uh, after my time here at Hillsdale College, I went on to school over in Boston, uh, near Boston, Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary, to continue my. Uh, studies and get ready for pastoral ministry, and was working at a church out there when my wife and I uh, became pregnant with twins, and it's very difficult to live out in <laughs> Boston uh, on a youth pastor's salary oh, yeah. I bet. with twins, so we made our way back to the Midwest and to home, and thankfully, I had a connection at a church here in uh, the county, Somerset Congregational Church, Mm -hmm. where I was a youth pastor before, and their pastor at the time, uh, uh, his name was Pastor John Reist. uh, Good old Dr. Reist. Oh, yeah, I know you know him, JJ. (laughs) And that is where Reist comes from for your youngest. And that is... Well, now, come on, let him connect the dots here. Let him (laughs) connect the dots. I'm just connecting the dots myself, sorry. let him connect them. So he was stepping down, and we came back in 2010, and I've been serving at that church since 2010, and chaplain here at the college, or at the college, at the hospital since 2021, 
And it was just last year we ended up having a <laughs> child 13 years after our twins were born, <laughs> just as we planned. Yeah, right. And her name is Reese, named after my mentor and good mm-hmm. friend, John Reese. Well, what a remarkable journey, uh, Pastor. And I, and we're going to share a little bit more about some of the experiences that you've had here at Hillsdale Hospital specifically, but also in the community ministering uh, to our population. So now that we've established who you are, what you do, where you came from, let's start with the why. Now, we do this on every podcast, so we and our listeners get to know our guests just a little bit better. I want to know what is your why? Um, what what motivates you to get up out of bed every morning and do the work that you do, which is very rigorous work. It's very emotionally, physically draining sometimes, spiritually draining. What motivates you? Well, right now, literally what gets me out of bed in the morning and many times in the middle of the night <laughs> is our 18-month-old who does not want to sleep more than an hour at a time. But That's a problem. <laughs> to really get to the heart of what you're asking— Uh, I'm a Christian, and I want to wake up every morning and serve God and to respond to all that he has done for me. I feel like I am so blessed, and therefore I want to, in turn, bless others. As Many times in my sermons, I give this illustration to help explain it. Um, JJ, let's say you came over to my house. You were going to meet me at my house, and you get there but I'm not there yet, and I show up a little late, and I get there, and and you tell me, hey, while you were, I was wait, while I was waiting for you, someone came by who you owed money to, but don't worry, I paid for it. Nice. Now I'd be thankful for that, yeah. obviously, but right. mm-hmm. I, I carry no cash. Just yeah. to let the listeners know, I carry no <laughs> cash. Just to let the listeners know, I would be thankful for that, but sure. I wouldn't know how thankful yeah. to be, because on the one hand. Maybe it was just the postal carrier and you are just paying a dollar for postage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But maybe I'm more than thankful. <laughs> I'm on my right. knees in tears. Can't, can't believe what you've done for me. Exactly. Well, that's how I feel as a Christian, learning more and more and just realizing more and more how much God has done for me. And therefore, in response to all that he has done for me, I want to be the best husband, best dad, best pastor, best chaplain, best citizen Mm-hmm. that I can be in response to all the blessings that he's given me. That's right. That's right. What a remarkable analogy. You know, Yeah, I've never um, heard that before Yeah, for or anything like it. Yeah, things that have been paid in advance and such a great gift we've been given here as Christians. Um, but then to give back into the community, I think that is so very important. So uh, definitely um, a journey that you've taken and you've lived yourself and giving so much and sacrificing so much uh, for our community, which we're very, very appreciative of. So let's get into that a little bit. Tell us about what you do in the hospital. What is your role in when our patients are here and they need some spiritual support in one way or another? Sure. Well, the there's two main parts to my position. One is, as you mentioned earlier, is kind of overseeing the pastoral relations between the hospital and the local um, community of, of clergy. Uh, for the past four years, I've been the president of the Hillsdale Area Ministerial Association, so it was a very easy thing to yeah, do. Yeah. And I'm still part of it, uh, so I'm able to keep uh, close connections because it's not just me here ministering to patients. In fact, the best thing we can do is find someone's pastor. If, they, if someone already has a pastor, we want them here because they already have a connection. That's mm-hmm. who you want here. 
Or let's say someone is out of town and they end up here and they're Presbyterian. Well, they probably would like a Presbyterian pastor. Right. Or they're Catholic, a Catholic priest to come in. Mm-hmm. So I make sure that those connections are kept and and, and they're able to have access to, to those folks. Um, I, we also maintain an emergency chaplaincy list here. Mm-hmm. So in case of an emergency and, and someone would like a chaplain right away, uh, local pastors actually sign up for a week at a time to be on call, as it were, mm-hmm. and to come in if there's a big need or even if someone just simply requests a chaplain or pastor, um, they'll be the first ones contacted to to come in and, mm-hmm. and, and see folks. Um, I also help make sure that uh, there is a worship service that is covered mm-hmm. over in the long-term care mm-hmm. facility in McRitchie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we have a wonderful pastor, Brandon Dangler, and his wife from Bankers Baptist yeah. Local Church who lead that. Um, and also kind of just make sure we got a beautiful new chapel. Yeah, we yes. do, don't we? That was just yes, dedicated this past fall. Beautiful, by mm-hmm. the way. Yes, and yeah. it is. I, so I stop in there and make sure everything's tidy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the resources are there, and they also have a little prayer book, mm-hmm. which we encourage people to write down prayer requests. And so the first thing I do whenever I come for a hospital visit, I stop in there and I make sure to pray over any, any and every request, mm-hmm. as well as praying for you guys in leadership Thank here you. in the administration. Certainly need it today's world. So that's one aspect. The other aspect, which is by far the best and the better part, is visiting with patients. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, not just with patients, but a lot of times with their families as well, especially if of patients in CCU and are not really responsive, but the family's there. A lot of times they appreciate me seeing them and having opportunity to pray with them as well. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. You know, a great opportunity to witness here and to be part of a great movement. Um, you know, healing comes in so many forms. We think about the physical healing of individuals, which is what our doctors take care of, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, getting people back to, to health, uh, what our nurses take care of and our assistance aides, et cetera. But, you know, the spiritual aspect of it, we also know that people who are journeying through cancer, uh, many times uh, we've read stories about how their attitude and outlook impact their outcome. Absolutely. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, a faith when we've, you know, witnessed some of those uh, documentaries that have been done about individuals' faith playing a significant role in their healing. Uh, it's pretty remarkable because they have something to hold on to. It's, it's uh, you know, substance of things not seen, those type of things. But, you know, um, we're talking about chaplaincy services in the healthcare setting, not just related to Hillsdale Hospital. You know, the majority of hospitals across the country have chapels. They have a chaplaincy program because faith is an important part of healing. Um, so I want to ask you, what kind of faith-related struggles uh, do you often see during illness or injury and in the, in, into the patient's you know, road to recovery? And in many cases, I know you're going into our long-term care. Some of these folks are here forever. We had a patient here that passed away almost, was it over 100 years old that she was, Rachel? She was. Mm-hmm. And she had mm-hmm. been here for a decade. This is their last stop in many cases, and you are the only person between their last stop on earth and you know their transition. Um, so what struggles do you find here more prevalent than others? I can't say that there are a lot of struggles that are prevalent. Okay. So the ones that I have run across are the what are common to everyone. Mm-hmm. And that is where is God when I'm suffering? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is God there or did I do something? Mm-hmm. What did I do? Mm-hmm. Is God punishing right. me? Did I deserve this? Right. Now I will say I've only had a few patients who have had struggles like that. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, that's usually not the case. Yeah. Right. But 
when I have opportunity to speak to them about something that deep and personal, I mean, it's very important to, mm-hmm. to if you're if your understanding of God is that He is judging me and His wrath is upon me mm-hmm. and I deserve mm-hmm. to be sick like this. It's a very different outlook than someone who says, I'm not sure why this is happening, but I trust God's uh, sovereignty in this. I trust his caring hand, and he's my good shepherd. Mm-hmm. And so it's a two very different mentalities. You know, my daughter, Alyssa, is uh, quite spiritual, and you know she and, and I'm the youth pastor at my church as well. And so she's in my class, and we were talking about just struggles and challenges uh, of life and especially at that age and in young adults. And, you know, one of the questions that came up, which, you know, kids and adults ask alike, you know, why do, why do bad things happen to good people? And my response has always been, why not? Because at the end of the day, we're never promised anything special, right? And I think through adversary, through struggles, we grow. Um, I know that my greatest growth has not been on top of the mountain uh, when the great things are happening to me. It's really in the valley when I've, you know, discovered it at the most rock bottom places of my life, whether it's depression, uh, which I have labored through, whether it is uh, some of the challenges of life, which I've labored through, uh, loss of family members, which I've labored through. And in those places, I find that that is where my strength is. And so, you know, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, when we look at those struggles, you're you're impacting people's lives every day. Have you had that person that said, why do you know bad things happen to good people? Have you experienced that? And if you have, what is your response to that, to someone listening today who may be going through that journey? Why do bad things happen to good people? Absolutely, it's happened. In fact, this was one of the kind of emergency calls that came in asking for a chaplain here. Mm-hmm. And this particular patient had been hit by a vehicle. Oh, my gosh. And had her leg all messed up and was asking these questions. And um, and so when we get a question, when I get a question like, why do bad things happen to good people? Mm-hmm. The first thing I like to remind them of is, well, you're not the only one to have to go through this. In fact, mm-hmm. even God's own son, Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. who I would consider to be a good person, yeah. maybe mm-hmm. the best person, the best, yeah. um, look at how his life turned out. Was God... Was God with him? Did God love sure him? Did. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yet it was God's will to do something glorious True. through True. the suffering. Yeah. Yeah. And so while we might not ever know the answer to the whys, we can know that he is there and he has a purpose and he is going to do something good out, yeah. out and through it. A lyric of Bill Gaither's song, uh, the God of the mountain is mm-hmm. still the God of the valley. And that's I think right. that's so important for us to remember in our journey of faith. Yes. is that uh, he's with us ever present. Uh, and, you know, we've all seen the uh, footprints uh, yes. saying, you know, where yes. he was carrying us. And those are all true. And I think through the through the journey of someone's health, that plays a significant role of knowing that we're not alone. Even when we are alone, when we, there is no family, we're really never alone. So thank you for the ministry that you do for us in, in that regard. And J.G., your answer was very good. The fact that God will use these times of trouble to make us better, to strengthen us. One analogy I like to use is that when do roots grow the biggest and strongest for trees? It's not in seasons where it's wet and fertile. No, No, it's in the dry seasons. It has to go looking for more water and it gets deeper and stronger and more firm and steadfast because of it. That's incredible. So how have you seen faith impact the healing process for some of the patients that you've worked with, have you had any of those um, situations where 
you just can see that their faith is playing a huge role in their healing process. Now, this is much more common than mm-hmm. people who are struggling through their faith, at least here from my visits with patients. In fact, I would say most of the patients I meet that are of a faith, um, that faith is their anchor. It is what mm-hmm. is keeping them steady in this what sea of this storm of illness and hardship and, and physical pain. Uh, and you can see this quiet trust that they believe God is in control, mm-hmm. and it just gives them a peace and hope and a steadfastness that can only help in the healing process. Mm-hmm. It can only a- aid the actual physical healing that's going on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's also, we've talked about the great things that happen and the great ministry that you have here and that your other chaplains who you supervise have here. But, you know, there's also barriers when it comes to, you know, faith and healing and the hospital and working with patients and and those types of things. So, you know, obviously, what barriers do you face in working with patients, number one? Uh, And then a follow-up to that is how does your faith help you overcome these things to work through them? There aren't that many barriers barriers per se, I think the biggest natural barrier is for a lot of these patients who are not here long-term, it's a one-and-done visit. I I will probably not see them again, and so I have one opportunity to minister to them, and then it's... That's true. You just give them into the Lord's hands and care and keeping, and, Mm -hmm. and so I use that opportunity to connect as well as I can on a one-time visit and Mm -hmm. offer to Mm -hmm. pray with them. Um, But some of the other patients, as in McRitchie with the long term, Mm -hmm. it's been really fun to form relationships with them, friendships with them. Mm -hmm. We're on first name basis, so we look forward to seeing, uh, they and I look forward to seeing each other each week. And in fact, uh, I haven't told you this, but I have a an assistant that comes with me weekly to McRitchie, and it is my 18-month-old <laughs> oh. Reese. Who, they love that. Oh, she is, is the stealer. Oh, of yeah. The show. Like the mascot. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. She For is them. the one who is doing all yeah. the work. I'm not doing the work. She's doing, <laughs> She's the, doing work. the work. They just can't wait to see her. And, That's awesome. And just to I hear her it. talk and see her run around, it is mm-hmm. um, it's pretty phenomenal. It's a lot it? of fun. Oh, that is awesome. That is awesome. So what advice would you give to healthcare workers who want to help facilitate that healing environment for their patients? And then also, there's another piece that I think we should talk about, which is how do we support our healthcare workers themselves? Um, because their jobs mm-hmm. are very, can be very emotionally draining. They're obviously physically demanding. And now it's just a difficult time in our industry, especially for frontline workers. Um, so how would you advise those workers to help facilitate a healing environment, and how would you advise them to take care of themselves spiritually? Let's start with the second first. Um, it's, it would be good for them to know, the, the workers here at the hospital and in, in healthcare industry, mm-hmm. that they have as much access to the chaplains as the patients do. Mm-hmm. And so if it's they, not just for patients. That's right. I'm, I'm available, and other pastors in the area would be available, too to help the patients, or help, excuse me, not the patients, but the workers yeah. mm-hmm. with whatever struggles they are having. And it doesn't even have to be work-related struggles right. as well. Um, so that is certainly one thing. Now, going back to your original question about how can healthcare workers um, help facilitate healing and faith in uh, with the patients. 
So, Rachel, this is going back to our conversation before mm-hmm. we began the podcast. And I guess you can strike this out if you don't want this mentioned. Oh, no, I don't care. I'm an open book. <laughs> so, Rachel, you she just is. had your second child here yes, at the hospital. I did. Yes. Uh, back in October. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was a little traumatic. It was. But you had been taking such good care of. In fact, your doctor, Dr. Odell, mm-hmm. said... This is one of ours. This is our patient Mm -hmm. because you work here. You're one of ours. Mm -hmm. And so I think one of the best things that healthcare workers can do to the best of their ability is to try to treat each patient like that. This Mm. is one of ours. Mm -hmm. This is our patient. To have that not ownership, but that sense of responsibility and personal care for that person. Yes, exactly, which will involve being present, Mm -hmm. listening. And, you know, I tell nurses and others that if someone comes in and, and they have a particular faith or let's say they're pretty religious or spiritual, and if you feel comfortable praying and they want you to pray for them, I don't see what should stop you from saying a prayer with them or just being present with them. Um, not for everyone, but if mm-hmm. that's um, that's you, I think you should go for it. I think mm-hmm. the patient will feel that connection mm-hmm. uh, right away. But mm-hmm. I loved what you said about this is one of ours. And mm-hmm. so just making every patient feel mm-hmm. like I'm one of theirs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's very important. You know, let me ask you a question. Um, so you have to balance a lot. You're also a pastor of a local church. Um, talk to me a little bit and to chaplains that are listening, like they're maybe considering going into hospital ministry. How do you balance that? And and I guess, you know, I, I talked to a pastor once who said that his church was very angry that he was coming here very, very, and I'm not going to say jealous, but they felt his time needed to be calling on the, the, you know, parishioners of his church. How do you balance that as a, as a minister, as a pastor, you know, the demand of the church, which can be overwhelming with the needs of the community to show the church congregation that this is an outreach of that, but, but explain how, what is your approach to that? Well, before I accepted this position, I brought it to my church to make sure they were okay with it. Mm -hmm. And they were, Absolutely fine and excited for Good, it. good. Now, one thing that is a big advantage for me, as JJ knows, I live across the street from the hospital. Yeah, 10 steps. I, right. I'm literally— I walked here today, right? I literally walk <laughs> right. here, walk back every time I do a hospital visit. Yeah. So that makes it a little bit it easier. Does. With it being a part-time position, this is not um, eating away at a lot of my other— Time and ability—it's okay. it's not hard to balance yeah. for me. So it's not hard one's for you. not monopolizing your time no. yeah. and the not expense of the other. Yeah, and being able to bring uh, my daughter over here yeah. uh, once a week, and that just makes it, in a sense, even easier to do. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so what does a pastor do who is seeing such strife, such anguish, such you know at times carnage? Uh, here at the hospital, as well as the demands of your church, what do you do to balance yourself to ensure that you're you're feeding yourself and to ensure that you're giving your all and that you're up to that mentally, physically, and spiritually? How does a pastor do that? For those listening today who may have a difficulty balancing that, how do you do it? Well, for me, I'm part of a great group of uh, other like-minded Christians that at my church that I gather with. Yeah. I have uh, a strong support system with friends in the area, including pastor friends that we get together and uh, because only pastors understand what other pastors are going through. And so it's good to have strong pastor friends as well. And I make sure I put my wife and kids 
before all the stuff we've been talking about too. Mm-hmm. Um, besides my faith, uh, make sure that they mm-hmm. are top priority. And let me let me put it this way: if things aren't good at home, mm-hmm. they're not going to be good anywhere else. Right. Mm-hmm. But if things are good at home, there's a likelihood there's a better sure. chance right. things you are going to be better everywhere else. That's for right. Everything else. Sure. Yeah. That's right. Sure. Great songwriter and a singer, gospel singer, Jake Hess, once said, prayer is the key to heaven, but faith unlocks the door. Mm. And when we talk about faith, you know, that's a that's a big word, mm-hmm. conjures a lot. I mean, faith. When you hear people say, I have faith in you, or I have faith in this process, or I have faith in general, you know, it's, it's faith, the substance of things not seen. So, you know, how are you hoping to see faith impact Hillsdale Hospital going forward? I will tell you, JJ, and I think this is going to be no surprise to you, this is a very faith-welcoming hospital. It is. Mm-hmm. And I'm very thankful for that. I haven't seen anyone having, need to pull me aside and say, hey, careful yeah. what you're saying and, and um, you know, watch what you do. If they do, let me know because no, I want to go have a conversation with them. Not at all. Yeah. And yeah. I think just also the fact of the resources I've put in for um, chaplaincy care, and mm-hmm. also for the beautiful chapel we have, speak yeah. mm-hmm. to the faith welcoming atmosphere that mm-hmm. um, is in place and probably mm-hmm. has been in place for some time here at Hillsdale mm-hmm. Hospital. So um, there isn't much else to do yeah. beyond yeah. that. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone listening today who may be inspired, of course, this is a national podcast, who may be inspired as a minister that wants to enter a ministry at a hospital, what would you recommend them to do? Is there training courses? Should they reach out to the local hospital? Mm-hmm. How should they participate? Well, there are opportunities for sure. And going online, you can find a lot of resources. Mm-hmm. I know if you're going to full-time chaplaincy, there's some great education programs out there that in most seminaries and theological schools will have a track that involves chaplaincy hospital care. But this isn't mean that uh, certainly there are some hospitals like ours where it's a mm-hmm. smaller hospital yeah. where that yeah. uh, level is not required. So you need to check with your local hospital too what they want. And, and if you are near a hospital and they probably already have a chaplaincy service, probably just contacting them and getting to know the chaplains there or whoever is leading mm-hmm. the chaplaincy program, uh, that's probably the first place to yeah, start. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Chaplain, uh, it's been so great to have you in the studio today. Uh, mentor, friend of Hillsdale Hospital, friend of our patients, uh, obviously a spiritual advisor to many of us, including me. Uh, it's great to have you integrated into our health system. It's been great uh, to have you on our campus to minister to our patients and their families. I get nothing but positive reviews back. Uh, we're excited to have you here. And thank you for your commitment uh, to our hospital, our community, to our patients, and to our staff. It means so much to us. So thank you for not only joining us today in the studio, but for also being a part of our hospital family. It's so important. Thank you so much, JJ. And you're doing such a great job here leading the charge at the hospital. And I'm so thankful to be part of a great community here at Hillsdale Hospital. Well, thank you. And before we close, we like to do a fun segment with each of our guests. We want to know what is your most unique rule experience or one of your favorite memories that is unique to rural life. And you've already said you grew up rural, right? Yep. I mean, you were in a town, did it have a stoplight? One stoplight in the entire county, but since I've lived the there, county. it's now gone. So oh, no that, so there's traffic less. light in the county. <laughs> that's hilarious. And what county is that again? Presqu'il County. Presqu'il. All right. So, you know, give us, give our listeners an idea of maybe something that has been in your rural experience that's unique. It is shocking how much hay goes through Hillsdale City. 
It's shocking <laughs> how much hay. You every day I live the sale auction. <laughs> I live here at the corner of Hallett and Hillsdale, and every day there are flatbeds. There are trucks that. Uh, all these old farm trucks that have hay stacked five, six feet high. And the reason I know <laughs> that these hay go by so often is because my daughter, Allie, will tap me and she will do her best dad joke and say, hey, dad, <laughs> hey, and she'll point out the window. <laughs> hey, and this happens many times every day. That is awesome. That is funny. That's it. funny. Well, that is, hey, that is one good story. <laughs> Again, thanks for joining us today on Rural Health Rising. Next time on Rural Health Rising, we'll have another great conversation with another great guest, so be sure to tune in. And with that, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell others why they should listen too. Your feedback helps more listeners find Rural Health Rising. And you can now find us on Twitter. I'm at Hillsdale CEO JJ. Rachel is at Rural Health Rach. And you can also follow the podcast at Rural Health Pod. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay strong. Rural Health Rising is a production of Hillsdale Hospital in Hillsdale, Michigan, and a proud member of the Health Podcast Network, hosted by J.J. Hodshire and Rachel Lott. Audio engineering and original music by Kenji Ulmer. For more episodes, interviews, and more information, visit ruralhealthrising.com.